Y'all ever heard that old saying, don't, don't, I don't want to see the sausage made, I just want to know if it's any good or not? You ever heard that saying? My office at the church is right beside the choir room where they practice. And I'm going to tell you, on some Wednesday nights, I wouldn't have thought they could have got up here and sung the alphabet. <laughs> but man, the sausage show tastes good tonight, amen? amen? they done a good job with them, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate you inviting them. I thank you once again for being such gracious hosts to us. I do appreciate my church family. I love my church family. I joke and I always call them anytime I'm preaching somewhere and they come to visit. I joke and call them my parole officers. I did forget to tell you, now they're here tonight, but for the nights that they're not here, I'm going to need you to sign something to, to vouch that I was here. So I think they're worried I'll besmirch their name when they're not around, so they don't quite trust me yet. But anyhow, if you will, have your Bibles open to Mark chapter 15, and even if you won't open your Bibles to Mark chapter 15, Beginning with verse 16, I think I put 15 through 25 in the bulletin. I will zero in, Lord willing, in 16 through 22. So Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 22. We opened Sunday morning preaching from Isaiah, and we recognized that we would look ahead to the cross in Isaiah chapter 53. We looked last night at looking past the cross, and we talked about Barabbas having been freed from the cross with the privilege to look past it, and we were challenged to ask, do we look past the cross? Do we take that forgiveness for granted? Our third installment in the series of What Does the Cross Look Like Tonight will be looking at the cross eye level. Looking at the cross eye level. Mark chapter 15. I'm going to ask in deference to God's Word, if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 22. God's Word says to us tonight, And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band, and they clothed him with purple, and plaited a crown of thorns, and put it about his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with the reed, and they did spit upon him. And bowing their knees, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And then they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place called Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. Please be seated. Let us pray. Merciful Heavenly Father, it will be pleasing to you now to allow me to preach your word. Father God, I pray for your help, O oh, oh Father, if the Holy Spirit, dear Lord, would drive away any inhibiting factors. Father, if you would garrison their hearts that the wicked one cannot come and snatch away the word. O oh Lord, would your Holy Spirit appropriate it to every man, woman, and child here according to your sovereign will and in spite of me. In Jesus' most precious name I pray. Amen. Tomorrow we'll be looking over at the cross from Luke chapter 23. You have that in your bulletin. We'll begin tonight in the midst of our life, just daily struggles, just living life sometimes. There are battles, and at times in the midst of those battles, we forget what's really important. The old saying, major on the majors and minor on the minors, sometimes we get that upside down. Oftentimes, too, just in the general course of life, Sometimes we become spectators, and we become reactionary. We just simply react to the things that happen around us. 
We can get just a little off kilter, and I'm reminded parenting can be a lot like that. Sometimes as parents, we major on the minor things, and minor on the major things, or we catch ourselves just being spectators and only reacting to what goes on. That put me in mind of a dad who was having an argument with his son at one time. His son had become a young man, and his dad was a little frustrated with him, and he got a little off kilter. Began to major on the minors and minor on the majors. And he got to arguing with the young man one evening, got frustrated with him. And in a moment of heat, he was fussing at him. And the boy kind of popped back off at him. And the daddy was just beside himself. By the way, daddy, you don't say amen and nothing through here, okay? (laughs) The daddy was just beside himself. And he looked at the boy. He says, boy, don't you realize when George Washington was your age, he was out in the wilderness making a living surveying land? And the boy looked up at his daddy and said, Daddy, don't you realize when he was your age, he was President of the United States? (laughs) Sometimes we get a little off kilter. Sometimes we major on the minors and minor on the majors. Sometimes we come be reactionary. I want to talk to you tonight about looking at the cross eye level. I want to talk about that very thing, being confronted with the cross. Causing us to take another look at it and ask, what is of major importance in my life? Where is Christ in my life? Have I strictly become reactionary in my Christian walk? Oh, it's Sunday morning. I guess I need to go to church. Oh, I haven't read my Bible in a few days. I guess I ought to look at a devotional. Have we just become reactionary or are we growing in our walk with Christ? I want to show you three different people groups or groups of people who may have lost sight in that moment, who were certainly reactionary in that moment being confronted with the cross at eye level. I'll show you the soldiers in verses 16 through 19, the crowds who were just standing there in verses 20, And then the third one we'll look at will be Simon in verses 21 through 22. Let me begin with the soldiers in verses 16 through 19. Now that Pilate's done his job, and the so-called job, and the Pilate's led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band, it says. Now that Barabbas has been released, and that final plea from Pilate to release Jesus has been rejected, Pilate publicly washes his hands of him. He declares, I find no fault in him. I didn't want to crucify him. I'm going to give him over to y'all's will. So he makes this public spectacle of washing his hands of him. Let me tell you something. That ain't going to happen. There won't be no washing your hands of Jesus. As if he had nothing to do with it. You may wash your hands of Jesus now. You make no mistake if you do, Jesus will wash His hands of you later. Say, that's mean preaching. No, it ain't. It's just the truth. He didn't want to have any part of that. He tried to walk the political middle ground. He couldn't have it. He's done that. So He's now turned Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be executed. And they're going to exhibit something far beyond just a diligent work ethic. It's not just about them doing their job really good. It says they led him away. They carried him away now. Reminiscent of Isaiah's words, like a lamb to the slaughter. Because that's where he was headed. And they can't wait to make a public spectacle over this. This will be like the Super Bowl of executions. This isn't just any ordinary crucifixion. 
The crowd isn't just, there wasn't just a few angry member, family members there this time. There wasn't just a few political municipalities represented at what somebody had done and they wanted to make sure they were crucified. Oh, no, no. We've got a whole different spiritual realm going on this time. And in the midst of this, of them leading him away and calling the whole band together, somewhere thereby lies a cross that can be seen, eye level, as they lead him away. Although it's lying there eye level, they will not see what that cross, listen to me church, although it's there for all to see, they will not see what that cross will mean to all of humanity for all of eternity. It's just a piece of wood laying there to many. To the soldiers, it will just be a tool. They'll get up to it in a minute. Maybe you think they were just doing their job. Well, let me just say this. It's never your job to do something that's blatantly wrong before God. Secondly, they are carrying out God's plan, and His plan is to allow mankind a free will and to exercise that free will, which is always rejection of Him. They didn't just do their job. They enjoyed it, and they're going to make sport of it. They call a whole band, the entire Roman cohort. It was probably 600 people there. I won't get into it, but because Fort Antonio was in Jerusalem, probably had elite legionaries. But there's a whole crowd of them. Let me just put it to you that way. There's a lot of soldiers there who were able to look at that cross right there with them. The cross is eye level. It's approachable. It's there. Jesus' face would already be showing what had been done to Him. Let me just do away with this thought for you. If you're familiar with the pictures of Jesus on the cross, and there's just a little trickle of blood, and it's an antiseptic picture, and He has a forlorn expression, and even His hair almost seems like he's, it's been combed. If that's what you think was happening, you're mistaken. He was beaten beyond recognition. It was awful what they'd done to Him. It was inhumane what they'd done to Him. He's now been scourged. He had been beaten at Caiaphas' house. He's now been scourged. The Jewish beating with rods, 39 stripes, would be nothing compared to what they're about to do to Him. The brutality of the Roman soldiers was not equaled by many. The scourging that would be put upon Him would be but a beginning to an awful end of all that they're going to do to Him. He would be bleeding from his neck and shoulders down profusely. There would be terrible lacerations within his skin. It would be exposing muscles, ligaments, vessels, and perhaps some scholars believe maybe even internal organs. They ripped him open. They beat him bad. But that scourging brought stripes by which we will be healed. Because there is a cross laying nearby. To them, to those spectators right then, to those soldiers right then, it may just be an instrument of death. But to our God, there lays the tool of salvation nearby. It's our level. It's accessible. It will be available to us. By now, in this particular passage, He probably hasn't spoken in about an hour. Maybe they think he's deranged. I don't know. They beat him as a criminal. They mock him as a fool. There was no respect for him. 
not even as a fellow human. And again, somewhere thereby laid a cross, eye level. Verse 17 says, And they clothed him with purple, and they plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. He was either naked or barely clothed from the scourging, and they put this mock robe on him. Let that settle in what they're doing to our Lord and Savior. And then let me pose this question to you. I'll not give you an answer. It's just one for, to provoke thought. What if we, church, were half as intent on devising honor for our king as these soldiers were at devising dishonor for him? It blessed my heart to see those children tonight. They could be out in the streets singing a whole lot of things. I know the sacrifice their parents make to get them to church on time for practice. I know the sacrifice that went into all that practice. But it blessed my heart, too, to hear you respond to them. It blessed my heart to be here with fellow brothers and sisters, lifting our voices, sharing our hearts together to give glory to our Lord. What unites us here tonight? It is our Lord. What if we, church... Whereas intent on devising ways to give honor to our Lord, as these soldiers were of mocking Him. There is plenty in the world that will mock Him. It is our job to give Him glory, loud and honor. And with the purple robe, they they mocked His royalty. Church, when we declare Jesus as the Lord of our life, when we carry His name with us and say, I am a Christian... And then we live in blatant disobedience to Him. We are mocking His Lordship. I can't stand in church on Sunday morning and say He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And then on Monday decide, you know what? I'll take the crown from here, Jesus. Amen or oh me. It's easy to put these soldiers down. We are His children. Jesus said, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Just as he was willingly received those robes of humiliation, he will be clothed with the humiliation of sin. And hallelujah, Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins be as scarlet, he will wash them white as snow. Our salvation was being purchased in, in, that, in that time. They plaited a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. So I guess similar to the idea of the wreath that Caesar would wear, of course they're mocking him. A king needs a robe. A king needs a crown. Keep in mind, thorns are a subsequent result of the fall of mankind from Genesis chapter 3. The cursing of mankind because he was disobedient to God. God placed thorns and told man, you will make your living by the sweat of your brow. And now they take those very thorns and plait a crown and shove it down on his head. They pressed it down, causing more pain, more blood. His face now is probably barely recognizable as human. Verse 18, and then they begin to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews, they say. Now they play sport, worshiping the King of Kings, just as the Jews had mocked him. In what Matthew 26, verses 68 tell us, they blindfolded him. And they punched him. And they said, you're a prophet. Why don't you prophesy unto us who hit you? Just as the Jews had mocked him as a prophet, the Romans now mock him as king. No respect for him. And somewhere there nearby, 
lies a cross for all to see. Verse 19, he's got his robe, he's got his crown, he'll need a scepter. And they smote him on the head with a reed, and they did spit upon him, bowing their knees and worshiping him. They give him a hit with it, they give him this scepter, if it, as it were, and they hit him, and they beat him with it. John tells us they hit him with their fist as well. You know, isn't it interesting to note this scepter, which was to be symbolic of a king's power, is what they hit him with. And it's by his power that they're allowed to do this. Do you remember what he told Pilate? You would have no power if it were not for my father. And they're mocking him. But you make no mistake, church. We look around us. We see the horror that's going on in the world. What's done to children? What's done to people? One day, he will wield his scepter. And the Bible says he will rule with a rod of iron. That day will come. But for now, he is humble. He is eye level with the cross. And as Philippians 2, 7 through 8 says, He made Himself, nobody done it to Him. He made Himself of no reputation, and He took upon Himself the form of a servant. And He was made in the likeness of a man. He became one of us, as it were, being found in the fashion of a man. He humbled Himself, and He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross that was sitting there for all to see. He chose to do that. The Romans didn't twist his arm and make him. The Jews didn't trick him. He left heaven for this purpose. See, he could see the cross there too. He's seen it all along. In John chapter 18, verse 37, he says this. He had told Pilate this previously. Thou sayest that I am a king. Watch this, church. Listen to me. To this end I was born. For this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto, unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. This is why I'm here, he says. He knew that cross was there. He didn't sneak up on him. And he done it for us. Imagine what the angels must have witnessed. As they had seen Him in His glory. And they watched Him step up from the throne room of heaven. And shed His deity and become a human being. And place Himself in subjection to His own creation. Imagine! Now I know this is subjective and isn't in Scripture. Bear with me though. I can't imagine if they were there at the temptation, ready to bear Him up in the wilderness, if they were there ready to minister Him, and they've been dispatched throughout all of the history of mankind as God sends them down to carry out His will to protect His children. What must they have been thinking? Do you think maybe they kept looking over their shoulder, waiting at any moment for God to say, Get Him out of there! But no silence. They saw the cross too. You can't tell me they knew of everything that would go on. The Bible says the angels look in on our worship. See, they're not saved by grace. We are. Jesus didn't die on the cross for angels. He did for me and you. You can say amen right there. Second group we're going to see is right here in verse 20. They're just standing there. And when they had mocked Him, still the soldiers... They took off the purple from him, 
They put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And we know from previous verses and other texts, there was a crowd. There was a crowd everywhere with his own clothes back on him. They've taken this garment that they mocked him with back off. And they put his own clothes on him. I can't imagine what they were like, but keep in mind, these were the clothes that a woman who had had an issue of blood for years, that the Bible says she spent everything she had going to doctors, And it says they couldn't help her. Matter of fact, the Scripture says rather she grew worse. But the Bible says she had so much faith that she just reached out in the crowd one day just to touch the hem of His garment and she was healed. They put them clothes back on Him. And He'll begin to carry that cross, eye level, for all to see. To Golgotha. He is now led through the crowd of those just standing around, and they can all see Him, and they can see the cross. There He is. There it is. There were probably some in the crowd who were sympathetic. We as humans, it's just not healthy for us to appreciate seeing people suffer. So there were probably some who were sympathetic. But there were certainly plenty who were mocking. There may have been some there who didn't even care. I don't know. But it was there for all of them to see. And keep in mind, Jesus had already declared to them, no one takes my life. I'm giving it willingly. And if I lay it down, I'm going to pick it back up. Three days later, those thoughts are probably far from their mind. They can see Him passing through. He's carrying the cross. Some of them are mocking. Some of them don't even care. Some of them were probably too busy because they had to get to work. Or they had to get to the ball field. Or they had to get home to watch their favorite TV show. Say, preacher, they didn't have TV back then. (laughs) Cross is right there before them. You won't tell me as human beings there won't some there who had other things on their mind. There it is, eye level for them to see. They maybe didn't have time to notice or to even care about it. Many, though, however, were mocking him. I'm sure his disciples and his family were horrified. I'm sure they were scared. There's some jeering, there's some cheering, but most of them can only see a wooden beam. They can see the cross eye level. They can't see the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Maybe they're too caught up in the moment, majoring on the minors. Well, he did heal on the Sabbath day. I guess they should have went on and killed him. Minoring on the majors. The one who spoke all the trees into existence by the power of his voice is now carrying a wooden beam for all to see. There it is for the crowds. Everybody in the crowd can now see it. It's eye level. The third one we'll look at tonight is Simon in verses 21 and 22. And the brother did tell me there was a clock in here, but what I didn't tell him is I have no idea how to tell time. How have you say amen right there? verse 21 Simon and they compelled one Simon of Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country the father of Alexander and Rufus to bear his cross so here's just another man in the crowd on the Via de la Rosa the road to Golgotha the road to the cross and they bring him unto the place Golgotha which is being interpreted the place of the skull 
But old Simon, unsuspectingly, though he stands there eye level with the cross, will get a closer look at it than anybody else. Cyrene was, he was, was a Greek settlement located in northern Africa. I think it's probably modern day Libya. And there's some other things about him and his sons in scripture I won't spend time on tonight. There's a large Jewish population there. It was a prosperous trade route and Simon was a common Jewish name. There's a high probability that he was Jewish. There's a high probability that he was in Jerusalem for the Passover. I can't be certain about all that, but what I can be certain about is what verse 21 tells me. They compelled. So the soldiers made Simon carry the cross. And what is the next thing it says about him? He was just what? Passing by. He was just passing by. He had no intention that day of getting that close to the cross. It's some that will come revival services because they have to, because they want to, because they sweet on somebody that's here, or they like the music or whatever. You may not know just how close you're going to get to the cross tonight. Today is the day of salvation. He had no idea how close he would come to that cross. He was just passing by. Let me explain to you, church. There are no innocent bystanders or passerbys at the cross. You will either deny Jesus intentionally or by default. But you will be forced to one side of the cross or the other. As I said the other night, what Jesus said, you are either for me or you are against me. You're either gathering or you're scattering abroad. You say, no, 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 preacher. I'm just passing by. Y'all go do y'all's thing. Oh, no. No, no. You will confess Him as Lord and Savior now. Or one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Him as Lord. Amen. There are no passers-by. You have been confronted with the reality of the cross. It has been presented to us. It is there our level. We know that we are sinners. It has been declared unto us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It has been declared unto us that God sent His Son. He commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He carried that cross. It ain't no innocent bystanders. It ain't no innocent passing by. You will not prolong this decision. To say no... Or nothing is to say no. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. And you will have been confronted with the cross. We will have seen it at our level. It's all our level for the intersection of the Holy, for all to see. And at that cross is the intersection of the God Almighty. The holy, righteous, just God of this universe. And us as sinners. It's such a simple picture. The horizontal, the vertical relationship we have in God and the horizontal relationship we have with one another. He done that for us. See, I don't understand why a loving God would do such a thing. Well, I want you to imagine that somebody murdered all your family members. And they captured that person. And you went to court the day that they were arraigned. Are you following me? They brutally murdered all of your family. And the judge come in that day whistling Dixie, snapping their fingers, singing sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops. And the judge walks in and says, you know what? I feel so warm and fuzzy today. I just love everybody. Why can't we all just get along, sing kumbaya, and looks at that brutal murderer and says, just go free. What would you think of that judge? Would that judge have been a righteous judge? Would that judge have executed the law properly? Absolutely not. 
We would say that was not a proper adjudication of the law. That judge needs to be disbarred. Church, let me ask you. What kind of God would God be if He didn't punish sin? You say, well, I, I, I like the sound of a loving, a loving God. Well, so do I. And God is love, 1 John 4, 8. But He's also holy. And He's also righteous. And He has to punish sin. But it doesn't have to be you. Because Jesus carried that cross. Simon had no idea that day that he would be confronted that closely with the cross. It was eye level for all to see. The consequences of sin and what our God thinks about sin and what He does with it. See, Simon may have thought that day he would just be passing by. But moments later, he found himself confronted eye level with the cross. I love you. But because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I want to put the cross right before you right now. Do you truly know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or are you just passing by? Do you know Him? Have you truly surrendered your life to His Lordship? Children, do not think you have forever. I've preached 16-year-olds' funerals. I've preached 20-year-olds' funerals. You say, Preacher, don't do that. You'll scare the children. You need to know Jesus Christ. Simon was just passing by that day, and they said, Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to carry that cross. Either we accept the fact that Jesus carried the cross along with all of our sins for us, or one day we'll have to pay the punishment for it. Jesus told us something else. As they carried Him to Golgotha, where they crucified Him, in verse 22, what we learned something else. Jesus told His disciples, He said to pick up your cross and follow Me daily. We're confronted with the cross, eye level. Is He truly our Lord and Savior tonight? As we are confronted with that cross, eye level. Or are you just passing by on the things of God? Let us pray. Father, forgive me if I've done any injury to your text. O merciful Lord. Thank you, dear Father. I pray in spite of me, your, your Holy Spirit will appropriate this, your word, to these, your people now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.